You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Victory Wednesday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante and truly doing Yankee win podcast feels like you're doing an NFL podcast because it's like once a week and you get to focus all your energy on the one game that was a victory. Pretty cool, uh, but pretty weird. Aaron Boone, kudos for Tuesday night's big boy victory in Buffalo, a.k.a. Toronto, a.k.a. a minor league stadium that it was difficult to retrieve Chris Gittin's first ever home run from because it rolled onto the road, not the place you want to hit your first career dinger. But credit where credit is due, big victory in the Yankees bucked up and a lot of key players made a lot of clutch plays. Also, a Luis Severino update that's definitely more positive than we were expecting and a Brian Cashman press conference that proves he's sleeping with Aaron Boone and I'm not sure what else. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer that. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Big win. Let's act like it changes things because uh, I don't know. What else were we supposed to do? Overreaction Wednesday. Yeah, I was on for the game last night. That was probably the best I felt for the Yankees this year in terms very of very unexpected stuff very, beginning to end. Yeah. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to ha- make any bold proclamations, but I think if we're going to look back at any point in the season, if this team does something this year, we could potentially look back on this victory. Why? Because this had everything baked into it that the Yankees have not been doing all year. What have the Yankees not been doing all year? They haven't been getting off. They haven't been punching back. And when they do punch back, the other team usually punch backs harder. And that's the end of it. Um, They uh, they haven't been stringing together clutch hits. They managed to do that yesterday. They haven't been bait. They haven't been running the base as well. They did that yesterday. A couple of stolen bags, putting the pressure on the Blue Jays. They haven't really taken advantage of many other bullpens, uh, at at least as often as they should have. They did that yesterday. not that they didn't entirely get after Hinjin Ryu, but you know what? I'll take what they did. He he had an okay start. It was still a quality start, but five hits, four walks, put the pressure on, worked the pitch count up, 
forced the Jays to go to the bullpen where they had to use five other arms. And as we talked about on the last pod, the Jays have a decimated bullpen, lost three of their best guys early on in the season. They're running on fumes. And guess what? I know it's kind of it is a little bit embarrassing because we're looking at we're saying, oh, man, we took down the Blue Jays. That could be a turning point. Blue Jays are one game behind us now in in the win column. So they're a half game back. Um, And uh, they're definitely on a faster path than they had anticipated. So the Yankees should theoretically be a lot better than the Blue Jays. But Bo Bichette and Vladdy have really taken steps, unforeseen steps to this point. We knew they were going to be good, but we didn't think they would be all-star caliber players at this point. Teoscar Hernandez still tearing the cover off the ball. Randall Gritchuk, Yankee killer, having a good year too. Uh, Marcus Simeon is going to be the all-star starter at uh, second base or whatever it is. So this team is good. I know the Yankees should be better, but they got the job done. And the uh, Jordan Montgomery, say all you want. It wasn't a great start, but what did he do? We're talking the other day about Michael, how Michael King can't get out of the third or the fourth or whatever it is. Cool. Jordan, Jordan Montgomery goes five and a third. You know what? It wasn't great. He gave up four. He walked four. He gave up five hits. He only struck out four. I'll take that because then you're not taxing the bullpen as much as they did. Boone with, a, I think, a smart managerial decision going to Luis Sessa. Why? Luis Sessa has been good, but also Luis Sessa is not an in, integral bullpen piece. So if he pitches well, you could bridge the gap and go to Luisa, Britton and Chapman just like he did. Or if he pitches like shit, which is also a possibility, he could punt the game and then save all the guys for the next the next two games of the series and hopefully capture a win. But guess what? The plan worked out. Um, the bullpen got through it. I know Britain kind of gave us a heart attack there, and Loisaga had some unlucky bounces with those couple of hits. Uh, and then Chapman slamming the door shut uh, with the heart of the order. Uh, Guerrero, heard, uh, Hernandez, and Gritchuk for the final three to come up in the ninth when they're when they're only up six to five. And the Yankees' best friend, the wild pitch, came back, got DJ LeMay who across the plate for the for the uh, for the game tying run. And then Clint Frazier, man, pinch hit RBI double to to take the lead. That changed everything. That's shifted the momentum. And we haven't seen any of that. We haven't seen clutch hits. We haven't seen clutch pinch hits. We haven't seen Clint Frazier do much of anything. He had that walk off and that was it. So very encouraging. A lot of stuff baked into this one that we haven't been seeing for at any point in all year. And very encouraging at this point gives them a very good springboard for the remainder of the series. I'm not going to say it's insanely impressive that the Yankees managed to do what they're supposed to yeah. do to the Blue Jays once. I'm not going to go overboard and say, like, this proves this change, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, we've watched the Blue Jays take on the Red Sox the past couple of days, and they've either bludgeoned them or the bullpen has blown the game. The bullpen was handed like a 5-1 lead, and one of those Sox games blew it immediately. Um, the bullpen has been an extremely leaky spot for Charlie Montoya all year, leading him to uh, curse out the media yesterday for basically being like, look, this is my team. What am I supposed to do? Um, which is like, a you know, I wish Aaron Boone someday would be like, this is my this is my team. They lost again. It, it, come on. Um, but, it, you know, the, Bull, the Blue Jays bullpen, it's not a surprise that they're struggling. But again, how many times have the Yankees lost to struggling bullpens? How many times have the Yankees absolutely not done what they should have done in, in favorable situations? How many times have the Red Sox and Rays managed to take advantage of favorable situations that the Yankees have not? And on the road at Toronto, I'm sorry, on the road at Toronto, down 5-2 is never a favorable situation. That team hits. It's yeah. not easy. You know, it's not as simple as just saying, okay, go, ta- go attack the bullpen now. Go beat them. It's over. And we watched the Yankees attack Hector Neris on Saturday, tie the game, and then ultimately lose anyway, because partially because they couldn't move the ghost runner over, partially because of Rollis Chapman. 
couldn't stop the ghost runner from moving, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But how often have we watched the Yankees take the reins in a situation to be unable to finish it off? They didn't face Rafael Dolis yesterday, by the way. They faced Jordan Romano in a tie game, who is the Blue Jays' best pen arm. So you want to talk about it being a weakness? Great. Romano has owned the Yankees this year, has owned a lot of people, has got an ERA in the mid-ones. Clint Frazier, runner on first, one out. Here's your situation. Wade takes second. Great job. Very intelligent run on that pitch. Frazier rockets a 97 middle in fastball down the left field line for the game winning ultimately double. That's a great, that's a great at bat. That's a tough pitch to hit. And he ripped it with his quote unquote legendary bat speed, which we have made fun of time and again for not having this year and having it not help him out as much as it should. Clint Frazier did what Clint Frazier is supposed to do there in a best case scenario for Clint Frazier. Six, five, ninth inning, Vlad Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, Randall Grichuk against Chapman. That's the hardest, uh, most upper level save opportunity you'll basically ever see. And Chapman gets Vlad Jr. to a 3 2, retires him. Buzz saws Hernandez with a splitter. Where has that been? I don't know. Maybe he experimented with some non spider tech balls and got the splitter back. Uh, hoop, far be it for me to say what happened there, but awesome at bat. And then he got Grichuk on a 101 fastball on a 1 2 pitch. He chops it first, and that's sort of. We've seen Chapman do that before. It's like down to the final strike of the game. Great. Here's 101. What can you do with it? Uh, Gritchuk, who kills us routinely, couldn't do much. Um, if only Chapman had, had just saved the game in, in Minnesota instead of imploding in the most spectacular <sighs> fashion we've ever seen, that would be a nice win to have in our pocket right now. 35 and 31 hits a little differently than 34 and 32 does. I'm going to want that game back. At some point, I'm going to want that game back. But this was a huge win. Uh, season turned on a dime. I don't know. Season saved question mark. I mean, it, season was definitely saved for one night, uh, a sweep in this series on the road in Toronto. And I think you're looking at a complete fire sale, uh, or at least you're looking at the people calling for a complete fire sale being right. Uh, win this game in Toronto and have the chance to take the series with one of the next two victories, which of course will not be easy. That is not a simple task, but you've set yourself up for the opportunity to save your season for one more series and come home and face another first place team in the Oakland A's. It does not get easier from here, but every day is a season now. That's why it feels like mounting pressure. Uh, you got to keep saving your season basically every day by, by playing hard and eventually getting yourself to like a 600, 620 winning percentage clip. Yanks have to be an elite team from here on out to make the postseason in any capacity. This was step one. This is a nice step. It was. And guess what? They did it without the big guns. John, uh, Aaron Judge, Gleyber Torres, John Carlos in 0 for 12 with three walks. Judge, uh, I know he's been great all year, guys. I'm not criticizing him, but arguably two of the worst at bats you'll see from Mr. him Max all spasm. season. I mean... The Yankees had a runner on third both times and he couldn't have he worked uh, the the one at bat was he worked a full count and then he he swung at a pitch that he just knew was a ball. It was a curveball. It was low and he just like lunged at it and he knew he fucked up, struck out. And I th I think that one ended the inning or that stranded or that stranded the, the runner on third. Uh, for somebody else to come up. I forgot what it was. And then he sees four pitches in the, in the next at bat with a runner on third and it just goes down with, with ease. Um, so they managed to do it without their arguably best hitters at this point. Stanton slugging 506, Glaber batting 267. He's been heating up. Judge hitting slashing 283, 381, 520. So he's the best hitter on the team. You know what's pumping me up, dude? Because no. we've been talking about this for a while now and how DJ LeMahieu, the offense runs through him. He's mm. gotten on base 
he's gotten at least two hits and has gotten on base at least two times in one, two, three, four, five of the last six games. I know the Yankees have only gone three and three in those games, which is is fine at this point, I guess, because you'll take the Yankees going three and three in a six game stretch based on everything that we've seen this year. But DJ hit a double yesterday in a big spot after that guardy leadoff homer in the seventh. That put the pressure on the bullpen, moves to third on a wild pitch, scores on a wild pitch. He walked it. He walked uh, earlier in the game, too. So this is the stuff that we want to see from our leadoff guy. I know the, the, the Yankees keep saying it's going to turn around. It's going to come back. He's still only batting 265. He's dug himself out from 250. I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. He's being a little bit more patient. He's really ripping into the pitches that he's liking when he sees them. Uh, I don't know what's changed. I don't know what's going on, but uh, I think that three run homer off uh, Hector Neris on uh, Saturday to tie the game in the ninth could be, could be the turning point for him this year. Uh, let it be the reawakening of DJ LeMahieu. That's all we can hope for. Um, that's, that, that's the guy that we need to, to, to start things off for us and put pressure on the opposing pitching staff because he's either getting a hit in the first two pitches when he's on fire, he's ripping a single up the middle or he's ripping a double down the line, or he's working the count and he's seen six, seven, eight pitches to start off the game, which is putting the pitcher in a rough spot to face then Aaron Judge, Gleyber Torres, Giancarlo Stanton. So top of the lineup, it all starts with DJ. We're seeing it trend a little bit differently now. He's starting to get back in a groove. I think that could change everything for us. It's funny what you notice and what you don't, because obviously LeMahieu has struggled for a while now, and, and it's been the story of the season that he's not been the engine he should be. But it really crystallized for me when he was at on the verge of tipping into like 249 territory yeah. when he was up. And I don't remember if he was at 250 or 251, but it really just like crystallized in my brain. I saw that and went, oh, my God, if he makes another out, he's going to be under 250 like that's an, that's an insane place for DJ LeMahieu to be, especially after he had already dug himself out of a hole at some point and was hitting in like the low 270s, and it still felt like an unimpressive season. But there is a difference between a guy who hits 270 with very little power and is disappointing for a star versus a guy who's hitting under 250 and getting paid what he's being paid in year one of his six-year deal. Then you start to look at it and go, oh my God, how low... How low can this go? Like, can he, re he, he, nothing looks different than it did a month ago. How low can he really fall? So to see him at 265... You're right. It's it's much more encouraging, but but more so uh, than the number itself and the boundary that he's created between his current status and 250 is the fact that he has has had you know a number of extra base hits in recent days. He has managed to start rallies. He has managed to get himself in a scoring position, and he has managed to be something much closer to DJ LeMahieu's typical output. And that includes you know the line drives that weren't falling and the latter part of his slump in the Rays game where they where Clint Frazier ultimately walked it off and LeMahieu couldn't, that liner that was hit towards, you know, the hole in between second and first that felt like it was obviously going to get through. And if that's not going to get through, when will it ever start for him? And et cetera, et cetera. It was all starting to pile on. He threw a helmet. And he, you know, he's more frustrated than anybody. He has looked a lot more like himself over the past week and a half at the very least. And someone else that I do feel the need to point out right now who has looked a lot more like quote unquote himself or a version of himself that we haven't seen in several years is Gary Sanchez, who Gary. hit two to home run yesterday. He's up all the way to a 767 OPS. 225 average isn't what you want, but with nine homers, 20 ribs, and for a catcher in a depressed offensive environment, I'm looking at that going, this is a lot closer to something viable. I would much rather have this in my lineup than what I've seen recently. Last seven games, 345, 
724 slugging, three bombs, 10 hits. Last 15 games, 333 average, uh, only a 647 slugging, which is strange. Still the 18 strikeouts there and eight Ks in his last seven. Uh, but this level of production from Gary Sanchez, seven homers in his last 30 games, it's close. It's not, you know, we're not talking about an MVP candidate. Uh, and that is always the difference in Gary Sanchez, right? I'm not looking for someone to be narrowly above average. And I know that a lot of people are willing to accept that poison pill from the catcher position. I'm not willing to accept that from Gary Sanchez. I'm not willing to accept a 103 OPS plus and just say, oh, well, catchers don't hit. So, you know, it's fine that he's pretty uh, slightly above league average. I want more from Gary. Uh, This is not, you know, MVP level baseball yet, but he is inching closer to what I was looking for entering the season. And this is something you can call this a bounce back officially. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone and where they sleep at night. Stick around. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again. You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Welcome back to the Inksco Yard Podcast. What is the deal with Brian Cashman's comments on Aaron Boone? How secure should Boone feel? Of course, this all came before Tuesday night's cathartic win, but I don't think one game is going to change the way Brian Cashman thinks about how his season is going. Uh, He claimed to be a buyer, not a seller, in a press availability session on Tuesday night. We heard he was not going to address the team. Interesting. Uh, It's been a testy couple days for Aaron Boone, who snapped Brian Hoke on uh, Sunday. Who asked if this team was getting used to losing. He told him to get the hell out of there. Hoke reiterated that question on Tuesday, uh, asking if the team was sick of winning. Uh, That's fun. A little beat writer goofing. But before the game, uh, when asked about Aaron Boone, whether or not he's the right manager for the Yankees, Cashman said, we made this bed and we are going to sleep in it. We are in this together. Now, you are in this together. You are right. You have tied yourself to Boone for the time being, but Boone does not have an extension. Boone's future is very much up in the air. This could be, you know, whether it's a midseason firing or an end-of-season parting of the ways, a decision has to be made on Boone sooner or later, and it could be a, a, a loud and proud firing, or it could be a much quieter, we have mutually decided to part ways. There will be no new contract if the year ends in disappointing fashion. Uh, Thomas, I, I think you're like me. I don't think he read this necessarily as an endorsement of Boone. Cashman's not wrong. He is an anchor tied to his reputation right now. Uh, I didn't feel like this made his future any more certain, though. No. And is it crazy to think that we're sitting here wondering why Aaron Boone hasn't gotten an extension yet? They talked in the offseason. Hal Steinbrenner mentioned that he's the guy. Brian Cashman in the offseason said we'd love to have him as long. uh, uh, We'd love to have him here for as long as we had Joe Torrey and Joe Girardi. Yet here we are. This is the final year of his contract. And then you have Brian Cashman say Brian Cashman was asked if he if he's sure Aaron Boone is the right manager for the Yankees and he said we made this bed and we are going to sleep in it we are in this together that more sounds like that more so sounds like uh, a gambler who lost a shit ton of money to the mob and is just like well, this is my life now I don't own my life and this is what I'm dealing with so here it is we'll see what happens for the next couple of years uh so I don't really it, it's certainly not an endorsement it's one of those things where Cashman kind of 
did the same thing with Glaber Torres said, oh, yeah, we don't really view him as a shortstop. We view him more as a second baseman. He came to camp out of shape. We were disappointed with this. We were disappointed with that. Um, not ringing endorsements at all. Uh, I did. It's awkward if you're Aaron Boone. I don't know how you view that, especially because how many how many times is this now that Brian Cashman has had to had to speak to the media? He's how, how many sh- bad stretches of baseball have they put? This is a third or fourth time he's addressing the media. And he's saying the same things. He, he did give us some of these fun quotes. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't necessarily like what he said about Aaron Boone, but I think that that leaves the door open for, hey, if this team doesn't really turn it around, then we're looking at an offseason of changes potentially. Uh, that's what I'm reading from this. He obviously didn't directly say that. Also good news that he talked about how they're going to be they're going to potentially be buyers and that they can approach. Um, uh, they can approach ownership and talk about uh, going over the luxury tax threshold uh, if they need to. Uh, hopefully, Hal Steinbrenner will do that, especially because we uh, SB Nation, um, John Rimmer of uh, of Pinstripe Alley noted we 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 aggregated it and talked about it a little bit more. How the Yankees' revenue is averaging over six hundred and twenty million for the last five years. And the payroll has largely stayed stagnant or not nearly not nearly as high as it should be. So like they got to do something. This is all on everybody here. This is on the ownership for giving Cashman a tight budget with the richest organization in sports. This is on Cashman for not diversifying the lineup uh, as as well as he should have. And then acquiring starting pitchers who have had injury troubles the last few years. It's on Aaron Boone for kind of just operating this roster on autopilot. Yes, he skated to over 100 wins in his first two seasons, but like uh pretty sure if I put a hat on and a and a cool jersey, like I could have done I could have won like 90 games maybe. Like I know this team, I know what to do. I I know we had to deal with a lot of injuries, but like you just plug guys in and it was just working. Things were working. Aaron Boone at this point, I don't not like him, but he definitely doesn't win the Yankees more games than he loses them games. Um, I don't know if that's just bad luck. I don't know if that's because he's not that great of a manager. I don't know if that's because, like I just said, the, the roster has largely been on autopilot. So when he actually tries to finagle and do things, it just it doesn't entirely work out. Do I know the answers and can figure out what he's doing wrong? Sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. But this is on everybody. And then we're going to talk about the players. The players just aren't doing what they have to do. Like, that's why it makes the manager in the front office look that much worse. Like we have a lineup that's really good. We've seen it operate for the last three, four years, and now it's the bottom of the barrel. So I don't know, but hopefully that lights a fire under the guys to fight for Boone because, Hey, how many times have we heard players love Boone? He's a player manager. They get along they, they this and that. So maybe that, maybe that lights a fire under the player saying, Oh shit. Like if we don't pick up the slack, Boone might not be here next year. And then we're dealing with an entire new infrastructure and we don't really want to do that. So let's get it together. Uh, I guess there is bad Yankees news every single day. So we can't even enjoy the win without that bizarre post uh, pregame quote. But here we are. I'll take the six, five win though. I mean, how, first off, I guess, why do managers wear jerseys? You are right. You, you just have to put on a cool Jersey. Why, why can't we just get managers in suits? What, what happened to managers in suits? Um, maybe, you know, put, put a, put a suit on a player manager. See if maybe he seems like more of an authority figure. I don't know. That is amusing, but you are right though. You know, Cashman has done a million of these press availabilities 
every single one until this one has largely been, I mean, this one was a bingo card too, but largely they are just platitudes and I don't really know what more you want from him. He did this last year too. When the Yankees were, when Luke Voigt said the Yankees suck uh, in Buffalo, Cashman came up and did a little press availability that day too. And how many times can you hear from a GM who built a team that is clearly not a hundred percent correctly put together saying, you know, this is it. We're going to turn the corner. We're here. I mean, it's very frustrating to hear, but it is at least enlightening for him to say, but you know, Boone's not going anywhere now, but I'm not exactly going to give him a ringing endorsement. It's on Cashman. There are no lefties in this lineup, which doesn't matter when they're hitting well, but when they're not, it's stark. And the, how many years in a row is he going to get the pitching wrong? I, I just think it's fair to say that, um, you know, we love, Ninja Cashman. We love the under the radar subtle moves. We love the hidden gems. We love Gio Rochelle and Luke Voigt. Uh, yes. Um, how many years in a row is he going to get the pitching wrong? It's, it's almost impossible to choose incorrectly this many times, given a, a platter of options to say, I'll do Jamison Tyone and not Joe Musgrave Grove. I'll do Corey Kluber and, and not, you know, one of the many available still healthy options who, who was on the market this offseason. Uh, Carlos Rodon was basically free. Uh, in terms of a bounce back candidate, the White Sox got that when he throws 101. He's the best lefty in baseball. Um, Sonny Gray, incorrect. Uh, right move, right spirit of the move, incorrect. Um, you know, just these endless name after name after name. Jay Happ, wrong move. Right move for about a month and a half. Wrong move with the extension. Not doing Justin Verlander, obviously hamstrung for budget reasons, but wrong move again. What happened to Sean Chacon and Aaron Small? Like, hmm. a lot of people are citing the 2005 Yankees this year as another disappointing team that eventually turned it on in the middle of the year. A lot of people are citing the 2007 Yankees, a disappointing team that turned it on in the middle of the year. Well, 2005 doesn't happen without Aaron Small going 10-0 and from AAA. Yankees willing to take a chance on someone completely random and that person succeeding. It doesn't happen without Cano being called up and Melky Cabrera being called up and Sean Chacon being acquired for a song. 2007 doesn't happen without Jabba Chamberlain and it doesn't happen without Roger Clemens showing up in the middle of the year in the owner's box. You want to talk about a bold move. Um, so 2021 won't happen unless Cashman pushes the right pitching button for the first time in like a decade. And unless, you know, minor leaguers come up and provide real difference-making at-bats, Chris Gittens is one of them. Uh, Hoy Park is tearing up AAA. Uh, Trey Ambergy is tearing up AAA. Uh, if you want a midseason turnaround, you're gonna, it's going to be because somebody showed up. We've said this in the past plenty of times, but Cashman's work is not done if he intends on taking this team to the playoffs. And that need became almost more dire uh, this weekend, although slightly less dire, Luis Severino left his start unable to walk on Saturday night, right about the time Jamison Tyone couldn't retire a batter. It was a literal worst-case scenario for Yankee fans. We got an update on Severino prior to Tuesday's game. It was actually kind of good. He's got a low grade two groin strain, strain, not absolute slap tear of the groin muscle and bone, uh, whatever that looked way worse than it apparently is. Four to six week setback, we're being told. Uh, all in, that means Sevy will probably be back at the very end of July or the middle of August. Bad, but, you know, the worst case scenario for many reasons is him not pitching this year. Um, most, I mean, for this year, of course, but going into next year, that's, you know, he's gone for most of 2019, comes back at the end of the year. Gone for all of 2020, gone for all of 2021 would be a death blow. No real legitimate innings since 2018 for Luis Severino is crazy. There's a reason you've started to forget he's part of this team. They need him back. Even if, even if we get to August and the season is somewhat of a lost cause, they need two months of baseball 
in that right arm of Luis Severino. So positive whether or not he helps the Yankees get the season back on track is they cannot lose him for the amount of time that they maybe almost did. Yeah, they, they dodged a bullet here. And this is good and bad. Why is it bad? It's obviously bad because he's delayed even more. And we didn't want to see that. Uh, they He was looking good during the rehab start. They said his control was there. They said the velocity was there. So that was all encouraging. So did I think he would be expedited super fast? Eh, probably not. But there was a chance if his next couple outings look good. And then maybe they wanted to toss him in the bullpen to get him some uh, get him back up to speed at the MLB level because he's, like you said, been absent for so long. Um, why else is this bad? Because the Yankees are supposed to get a decent look at him before the trade deadline to determine if they maybe needed another starter or a reliever. And now they're not going to do that. They, I mean, they might get a look at him at the end of July if that's, I guess, if that's in the cards, but then you're making a snap decision on one to two appearances that you've seen from him and you don't know what you're going to get. We were supposed to see Luis Severino for the better part of the month of July and the Yankees front office was going to see what they had in him and see if he could fill in for Kluber for the time being, or see if he could be a reliable bullpen piece. I don't really know. We don't even really know what the plan is. Do we like, no, yeah, we don't, we don't really know what we heard. He's coming back as a reliever, at least maybe to start off to, to build him back up because it's been so long. Um, we have a full rotate. We had a full rotation. It was looking good, but now Jameson Tyone is really not looking like he's going to be able to last for the entire year. Um, not that I don't think he could turn it around, but like I just don't think how how much longer are the Yankees going to be able to deal with a high five ERA guy at the back end of the rotation. Um, we are so- getting to the point with Tyone. It's I mean we we've all been very patient. We're getting to the point where it's like among the worst pitching seasons in Yankees history. Like it's yeah. like that AJ Burnett season in like 2011 when everyone's like, what are we doing? This is like a historically terrible year. Like I, I feel very bad, but it's really like. It does not get much worse than this. People don't really do this for a full season usually. Yeah, and the fact that he is in the back end of the rotation, so the pre- we didn't. It, I understand that we acquired him to probably be more than that, but he's been a back end starter. He hasn't been inserted into the number two role. He's not pitching behind Garrett Cole. He's pitching. He's the he's the last guy there. Domingo Herman and Jordan Montgomery have outperformed him by miles, and he's he's the last guy in of the bunch. So it's not like there has been unreasonable expectations placed on him. It's not like they've been asking him to do too much. It's not like they're asking him to be a workhorse and eat innings. They just want him to throw five or six okay innings. And he's largely done that, but he's largely also not been good. Like five innings, three earned is like whatever. You could get that from a free agent veteran for like $2 million. And and that's the end of the story. Like that's, and that's what he's doing. So Maybe he turns it around. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff for him to still work through, I think, and and get his bearings and and get back on track. But we're already in the middle of June and it's continually getting worse. So now with Severino coming back or was supposed to come back, that was supposed to be maybe an antidote to solve the problems. And then I don't know what they would do in terms of demoting or figuring something out. Um, But now we're not going to see Severino. So now that creates a little bit of an issue on the trade front, which the Yankees said they're buyers. So you have to assume that they're going to maybe either go at least a little bit over the luxury tax, or they're going to oversell uh, with uh, prospect capital to have the other team eat some money. Um, But yeah, we wanted to see, we we didn't want a setback from Luis Severino, but Hey, it looked a lot worse than we had thought. He couldn't walk off the field. I was thinking torn ACL just because you can't walk. You have two guys carrying you Mm -hmm. off and, you're freaking out. So 
I guess it's good news that his 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 rehab is going to be delayed about a month. That's not the worst thing in the world after what we saw. Poor guy, though, can't catch a break and really hoping to see what he can do when he returns. Everybody's excited for it. I'm sure the pitching staff could really use his energy and his help because when he's on the mound and he's striking guys out, it's one of the more electrifying things you'll see. Um, but yeah, hopefully he can get through this rehab uh, unscathed this time and come back and help us out for the home stretch. If he can get back on track in September and into October, that that really changes the game for the Yankees. Yeah, it was non-contact-ish. It was yeah. like non-contact adjacent. It wasn't an awkward step, but it was like at the time, it was like, of course, Luis Severino, like just from pitching is going to tear his groin up. It, it was just pitching. He threw a pitch and with the motion of throwing a pitch appeared that his groin detached itself from the body and was like, bye. Um, thank God that it was what it was. Uh, take the time you need. Get ready. Get right. Don't rush yourself back. Maybe better in the long run than he's not going to rush himself back on the roster, I guess, if we want to take the patient long view. Um, but the, the good news here is that we should see him. This is not some sort of catastrophic injury. Um, it felt like the year was over. It definitely felt like the year was over when the Yankees went down 5-2 on Tuesday. Season saved temporarily. Who knows how long? But for now, the, the Yankees are involved, and that's the, all you can ask for at this juncture. Hopefully, we keep it going. That's it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. Drop us a mailbag question in that review. We'll be happy to answer it. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can also find us at YanksGoYard.com. Everything we're talking about here, we're probably writing about. So why don't you come on and read it a little bit more in depth. You can talk to us also on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. We're there all day, but we're mostly there and hyperactive during game time. Let's get these two games, guys. I mean, it's going to be probably near impossible to sweep the Blue Jays, but if we can get a series win, get the ball rolling, we'll start going down the mountain with some W's instead of some L's. How about that? How about that? Let's roll down the mountain properly. See you on Friday. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again. You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.